0: Hello and welcome to this OWL Explains Hootenanny, our podcast series where you can wise up on Blockchain and Web3 as we talk to the people seeking to build a better internet. OWL Explains is powered by Avalabs, a blockchain software company and participant in the Avalanche ecosystem. My name is Silvia Sanchez, project manager of OWL Explains, and with that, I'll hand it over to today's amazing speakers. Welcome to this episode of Ali Explains. My name is Olta Andoni. I'm general counsel of Enclave Markets, and I'm honored to have a special guest with me today, Christopher Giancarlo. He served as the 13th chairman of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Considered he's considered one of the most influential individuals in financial regulation. He also was a member of the U.S. Financial Stability Oversight Committee, the President's Working Order on Financial Markets, and the Executive Board of the International Organization of Securities Commission. He's also the co-founder and executive chairman of the Digital Dollar Project and serves as senior counsel of Wilkie Fair Gallagher. Uh, Chris, welcome this episode, and thank you so much for joining us. The first question is, how do you have time to deal with all these projects?
1: Thank you so much, Alta. It's really nice to be with you. Um, uh, our paths have crossed so many times, so it's great to have this time to have a conversation today. And, you know, uh, one of the sweetest um, uh, pleasures in life is to have a lot of interesting and challenging work to do. And so uh, all of this, these things you mentioned uh, make life very sweet and interesting, have all of these things to pay attention to. And what I'm really passionate about is, uh, is how do we think about the dollar in a new world of uh, both decentralized and centralized systems of value. So uh, that's something we'll talk about today.
0: And, uh, Chris, you've been doing uh, a lot, especially since you co-founded the Digital Dollar Project. And we are all dealing right now with this shift from traditional fiat currencies to digital formats uh, supported by blockchain technology uh, that definitely represent a significant step toward modernizing financial systems. I would like to hear a little bit more. uh, What are you working on right now? How did the whole idea behind Digital uh, Dollar Project started, and what is its mission?
1: Thank you so much. The Digital Dollar Project uh, is really a very simple idea, and that is, in a world in which uh, value is increasingly moving off of uh, singular bank balance sheets um, into a world of, of both centralized and decentralized digital networks of value, How do we uh, uh, enhance the dollar and its role as a world reserve currency? How do we future-proof the dollar for this coming world? And how do we do so in a way that really preserves the values uh, that the dollar has historically stood for? Values of free markets, free trade, free enterprise, and and free enterprise with uh, a zone of privacy for people's financial transactions, uh, privacy and the rule of law how do we do that uh, in a world that is rapidly changing you know the world that that we grew up in where where money was either a, a liability of a of a registered uh, bank institution or existed in cash form as a liability or at least the full faith and credit of the US government we're going into a world where it's going to be much more fragmented we're going to have decentralized systems of value we already have decentralized systems of value. Like Bitcoin and Ethereum that I dealt with um, uh, at the C and engaged with at the CFTC. Systems where banks are going to develop uh, tokenized systems uh, for their account holders. And of course, we're going to have and we have stable coins growing at an enormous rate, dollar-based. And then, of course, CBDC. Now whether or not the US deploys a digital dollar or not. And the C- the Digital Dollar Project does not call for the deployment of a US digital dollar. Certainly until much more experimentation has been done and a democratic process decides to go forward. But we do, nevertheless, concern ourselves with what is the future of the dollar itself in this world. world. And there will be CBDCs. As the Atlantic Council has reported, over 100 countries are actively at work on CBDC, including some of the world's largest economies, like China and the European Union, Uh, which are moving ahead very quickly. And in moving ahead, they are developing the global standards for how CBDCs will operate. And the United States, sadly, uh, is not playing a leadership role in that development. So with the Digital Dollar Project really advocate for the U.S. to uh, play a, a leading role in this, to lead with the values that have made the dollar one of the world's aspirational currencies. Uh, to do so in a way that protects personal privacy, individual economic liberty, but to do so in an affirmative, active way and not leading from behind is a phrase that was used a few years ago. This is not something we can lead from behind. We need to lead from the front in making sure that the digital future of money is one that is safe for democracy.
0: Uh, I fully agree with you, but it seems like especially more and more recently, we are seeing a lot of more resistance, uh, especially from uh, uh, U.S. Federal Reserve. First of all, they announced the project, uh, Project Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken about the name. And I think this was uh, uh, a research how CBDCs might be technically designed. Uh, And I think that now we see that the hypothetical U.S. Central Bank digital Currency is becoming more and more controversial. Uh, for example, uh, I think recently uh, during D.C. Fintech Week, uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chair uh, mentioned that he, uh, they have not made a decision yet about CBDCs, but he did Definitely call for a stronger regulation uh, on stablecoins. I also uh, just uh, recently attended Blockchain Association uh, summit where uh, represented uh, Congressman Emmer actually uh, seemed like he's not only he's not a big fan of CBD, CBDCs, but he also referred to that uh, to the fact that definitely CBDCs are going to uh, to uh, instill more government governmental control. Uh, how do you think we should deal with all this resistance that uh, we are facing about CBDCs?
1: So first of all, um, let's put in context where we are at the end of 2023. Um, We are um, at the tail end of a a 60-year period following the end of World War II, um, a longer period than that, 70-year period, in which the United States, the dollar, uh, have been dominant globally. Um, uh, in fact, I would say there's four pillars to the dollar's dominance. It's the dollar itself, it's the role of U.S. commercial banks, uh, the, the the dominance they play in the global economy, the dominance of the Federal Reserve, and the dollar, uh, the dominance of U.S. market and and bank regulation uh, institutions, um, and and it's not surprising, therefore, that. Our leadership in Washington, our leadership at the banks, our leadership at the Federal Bank, uh, the central bank, um, uh, that grew up in that world, are cautious when it comes to a new technology, an internet-based technology, that has the potential to radically transform, to radically disrupt, and, and, if, and if not done carefully, uh, rapidly diminish the role of the dollar in those institutions in the coming. A uh, digitally networked value of the twenty first century. So it one can understand their cautiousness about this. I'm sure Kodak was very cautious when the internet came as well. Um, uh, and caution um, uh, can lead to just as well as it as 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 risky action can lead to um, uh, Mistakes so can overcaution. And I think the challenge for the United States right now is to recognize that what's worked so well in the past, may not work well in the future if we're not um, affirmatively engaging with this technology. To think that somehow the internet that has changed everything we know about social interaction and and online retail and communications, information sharing, is not going to change um, finance and, and banking and money itself is naive. Of course it is. And what we need to do is be out there in front. Now, Um, I have a great deal of respect for Congressman Tom Emmer, with whom I've spent a lot of time, who has very legitimate concerns about loss of privacy in the development of central bank digital currency. And, and And if we take China's digital currency, for example, we know that it will be used as a surveillance tool. But The United States isn't the only democracy to be concerned about, that Europe is, and Europe is setting standards for privacy. Now, they may not be perfect, which is all the more reason why we, the United States, need to be engaged in this. Otherwise, the European standards at least will be the dominant standards for democracy, and and they may or may not reflect our values. So the notion that the right response to privacy concerns in CBDC is to just say no to CBDC, is kind of a mistake, and, and I say that with great respect to Tom Emmer. That just means that others are going to set the standards for privacy. And to think that somehow we can leave it to private enterprise like stable coins um, and rely on them to get privacy right, well, that hasn't worked out so well in the area of, of, of social media that have not protected our privacy. In fact, they've, they've, they've done everything to exploit our technology, and when government has told them... Um, what information to share and what information to, to censor online, private actors have been only too happy to do so, as we've learned with the uh, Missouri versus Biden case that has now been affirmed at the Third Circuit. Turns, Fifth Circuit turns out that government was in fact infringing privacy and, and censoring speech online, and we need to be just as concerned when private actors handle money. So, the notion that um, we can just say no to CBDC. But say yes to private actors handling privacy um, is not really borne out by the facts. The view we share at the Digital Dollar Project is that privacy is very much a a legitimate concern and a serious concern for the world's democracies. And the way to engage with it is to engage with it. The way to make sure that privacy is protected is to affirmatively engage Again, the notion that somehow Americans are going to avoid uh, CBDC simply by not creating a digital dollar is a false one because Europe is going to have a digital euro. Uh, Britain is looking at a digital euro, China is rolling out their digital dollar, uh, their digital yuan not just for domestic consumption, for for global export. It's only a matter of time before we may see a digital boulevard here in the western hemisphere as a white label version of China's digital yuan and one that will provide that regime with access to everybody's private information the way that the digital yuan provides China with access to private commercial activity. So the game is afoot. Um, the, the past, where value was either a bank liability or a, a, or a promissory note or, or a, a note, uh, a, a demand note of the U.S. government, is yielding to a future of a series of both centralized and decentralized systems of value. Many of them today may well be based upon the dollar. What we're seeing with stable coins, many are dollar-based. But even in that evolution, we're still not asking the question, how do we, pre- how do we preserve and future-proof the dollar in this coming world? And anything that references the dollar, anything that's built upon the dollar, whether it's built by private sector actors or built by the U.S. government, we need to focus on these values of privacy and economic liberty and the rule of law and interoperability. One of the things that's very concerning about this new digital future, and this is coming from someone who very much supports it, is the chance that many of these systems won't speak to one another. Um, that's something that's not helpful for the dollars and network effect in the global world. So we need to be thinking about interoperability. We need to be thinking about financial inclusion. And yes, uh, Congressman Emmer, we very much need to be thinking about economic privacy and financial liberty, but we can't make a simple judgment that simply because it's done by the private sector, people's liberty is going to be protect economic liberty is gonna be protected. That's too simplistic of an approach. We need to have a comprehensive view of the dollar in this new digital future, and how do we how do we enhance the values upon which the dollar has historically been based
0: and and uh chris that those are all great points, but uh, I think that probably would be helpful for uh, not only our uh legislators and regulators but even for the critics of cbdc maybe uh we can. Explain a little bit. For example, I, I'm grateful that you emphasize the need for protecting privacy, and I do know that Digital Dollar project has been working on this. But how are you thinking uh, to integrate this uh, from a architectural perspective? Like, how do you think implementing protection of privacy uh, with uh, CBDCs in general and uh, uh, with your project especially? Uh, uh, I think that the um, Uh, majority of the critics think that unless the blockchain on which a CBDC is run is a public blockchain, it can be altered anytime by by the feds, by the gov. And what exactly can we do in order to kind of change these narratives?
1: Yeah, well, I've written about this quite a bit. I mean, whenever you go from an analog to a digital system, the design you, you have an infinite variety of design choices you can make. Um, there's absolutely no reason why uh, a, 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 a digital system of value cannot be designed, and it doesn't have to be fully de- public and decentralized. Could cannot be designed to be privacy protecting. We know whether it's zero knowledge proofs, homomorphic encryption, or other privacy enhancing technologies that digital systems of value can be designed to protect privacy. We just need to resolve ourselves that that has to be the, uh, uh, the, the the core conditions of any system that touches the dollar, whether it's run by the private sector in the form of stable coins or whether it's run by the U.S. government itself. Um, And in fact, I think that's what policymakers should be focused on. I I was quite disappointed, and I wrote an op-ed in the Hill magazine, that the proposed stablecoin legislation says very little to nothing about privacy. So here we are concerned about CBDCs um, uh, uh, invading people's privacy, and yet we're about to um, consider and and perhaps adopt stablecoin legislation that says very little. Um, And so what we need to do, and what I've written about, is that I think any system of value that that references the dollar, touches the dollars, must be, um, must protect privacy by design and do so using open architecture. So we don't have to rely on the government to tell us that they're not invading privacy. We don't need to rely on a stablecoin operator to tell us that they're not invading our, our privacy. We can, oh, an open architecture will allow us to see for ourselves that our privacy is being protected. It is doable. We need the resolve, and that's why so much of this debate is actually not a technological debate, but it's a policy debate. And the time to um, uh, protect privacy in anything that references the dollar is now. And you know, we often think about this Alta as in the negative sense, like, "Oh my goodness, this could invade privacy. We need to protect it." The way we should be thinking about it is that if we make privacy protection an affirmative design element of anything that touches the dollar, we may succeed, therefore, in in preserving the dollar as the world's reserve currency for three more generations, because everything else will be invading their privacy, but anything that touches the dollar can't. And that should be our policy choice. And people who aspire to freedom around the world will aspire to hold the dollar because of the privacy that comes with it. So we should think about this as a competitive feature and not in such a defensive way. In fact, the conversation that that uh, I look to have with Congressman Emmer is, let's turn this around and actually affirmative require that if anything you do re- reference the dollars, people's privacy is protected and d- done so in an open way that they can assess for themselves through the architecture that their privacy is protected. People will flock to that the world over, knowing that the digital yuan is a is is a privacy invading tool, that the digital euro has privacy only for certain dollar uh, euro amounts. And then for larger amounts, as, as, as in the words of Augustine Carson's, uh, one of the officials says, we'll be able to track every euro. Well, I think that's something that Americans have historically rebelled against, and rightly so. Let's get privacy right and, and actually position the dollar as the world's. Uh, uh, currency to have.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you referred a little bit to stable coins. Uh, any other features that you think uh, uh, or why, what kind of sets apart CBDCs for, or why do we need a CBDC instead of not only uh, Circle or Tether? Yeah,
1: I, I don't know that we need a CBDC. Again, the Digital Dollar Project. Doesn't advocate the deployment of a CBDC. Our, our our view is broader than that. We we view anything that references the dollar um, must protect privacy. Must uh, reflect. Uh, U.S. constitutional values must have uh, uh, interoperability with other dollar reference items. Must enhance financial inclusion. Uh, must provide uh, resiliency to, to um, criminal and other uh, inappropriate penetration. You know, we we look at a broad set of criteria, but what we are focused on is the dollar's role in the digital networks of the future, um, and so. Again, whether the U.S. deploys a digital currency or not, uh, there's a lot of work to be done on stablecoins, and it's not just focusing on getting the right peg. It has to do with values as well. And from what I've seen, at least the policy prescriptions in Washington don't go far enough. They're just much too reliant on the stablecoin operators to uh, get these values right. Um, and I and I'm a great fan of stable coins and and of that innovation but think that there's got to be a policy prescription as well.
0: And do you have any views regarding to what extent transaction activity will be surveilled by the issuer uh, uh, regarding CBDCs?
1: No more than stablecoin operators would surveil that activity. Um, I, I think surveillance is the big issue in digital networks of value, uh, whether they're dollar-based, whether they're euro-based, whether they're yuan-based, and whether they're run by the private sector or the public sector, the same concerns about economic privacy and financial liberty are going to apply in the new digital future of money. There, you, you, there's, there's an argument, I, I know of no argument, that says privacy is any better protected in a stable coin than in a CBDC. That's that's
0: correct. Uh Chris, do you have any thoughts on CBDCs losing their pegs? Uh, do you think that let's let's put the, the question this way: Are the risks of CBDCs using its pegs same as a dollar bill, in your opinion? Or do you think that the chances that CBDCs lose its pegs seems substantially lower, probably than USDC versus USDT?
1: I, I think it's the opposite. I, I I could see in thirty years time. Um, uh, paper currency trading at a discount to sovereign digital currency. And and why is that? Because sovereign digital currency will have all the features of ability to use in the metaverse, uh, ability to transact 24-7, 365 instantaneously. And uh, those old dollar bills, you still need to stuff them in a suitcase and get on an airplane if you want to move them around the world. Um, and so, I think it's it, what what makes this digital future so exciting is the ability to uh, speed, efficiency, um, uh, timeliness, um, and the ability to inter, uh, to, to engage in, in internet commerce, which simply isn't available in paper with paper money. And financial inclusion, the ability to bring m- millions more people into the global financial system that can't access it today. Because they don't have sufficient uh, credentialed identity to access bank money, and so they live in a cash world, which means they're excluded from the internet. Um, but in a digital world, we can bring much more people into the system um, without the rec- you know for, for for transactions and digital money that don't necessarily require credentialed identity to participate. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I I could see actually the reverse. I could see, um, um, uh, 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 it, you know, old-fashioned paper money trading at a discount. While, while it may enjoy the full faith and credit of the government, it will trade at a discount to sovereign uh, digital currency um, that re, that enjoys a full faith and credit. I could also see it at some point in time um, that perhaps stable coins, as even with a good peg, may still trade at a discount To um, to sovereign CBDC, because it's it's still the obligation of a corporate entity. It's not the obligation um, of a government.
0: Uh, and uh, we have been building so much And those are all uh, great uh, features Especially when we refer to CBDC stablecoins But I think that we're still behind A lot behind as a country I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Chris How far behind the rest of the world uh, do you think the U.S. is And what it will take for us to act I, think, I mean, hopefully not regulation by enforcement uh, But that has been pretty much the course of action from our uh, regulators so far, but what else do you think we should do as an industry? Like, I'm, I'm grateful for the amazing work with, uh, with your project, uh, Digital Dollar Project. There are so many builders in the space. There are so many layer one protocols continuing building in this industry, but I still think that we're many steps behind. Uh, what are we missing, Chris, or what uh, would be your advice uh, for our uh, regulators or even uh, in general as an industry?
1: Yeah. So I I don't, again, I've said this before, but I just want to repeat it. Um, I don't think the race is for the U.S. to deploy a a, a digital dollar, CBDC, ahead of any other major block. Uh, I understand the motivation for China. I understand the motivation for Europe and and the 100 other countries that are working on this. I don't think the United States certainly does not need to be first. But we need to be today at the leadership table around the globe that are setting the standards for central bank digital currency, standards for interoperability, standards for financial inclusion, and most importantly, standards for privacy and and economic liberty. And that's unfortunately where the United States isn't having the role of influence that it ought to have. Thirty years ago, when the first wave of the internet came, an internet of information the United, it was really the United States led. Other democracies were there with the United States, but they led in making sure that that internet was one that was an open architecture, um, where information could freely flow, and 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 tyrannical governments or 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 closed societies at least couldn't close off the internet to make it safe for you know their government messages or propaganda. Um, Thirty years later. We're, we're in the n- development of a new phase of the Internet, an Internet for transferring value, storing and transferring value. And unfortunately, if you look at the dozen or more pilot projects that are taking place around the world, the United States isn't at any of them. And in these pilot projects are where standards are being set. And I can tell you that um, uh, China is at the table And it wants to make sure that the global standards are one that are safe for surveillance and safe for censorship of digital money. Um, That's fine. They've got to do what they've got to do. But sadly, the United States isn't at the same table as we were 30 years ago, making sure that, in fact, this new Internet of value is one that is safe for democracy. That is one that is safe for economic privacy, economic liberty, And that's really the missed opportunity. It's not about rolling out a CBDC. Maybe we never roll out a digital dollar. Maybe we get the policy right and our stablecoin operators, uh, based upon the dollar, serve this well. Um, That's, uh, I think, less of a concern. You know, we in the United States have traditionally done many things through the private sector as well as through the public sector, and most often actually through a partnership between the two. So I don't know how that plays out, but there's a big role for the private sector in this. The more important thing, though, is that our leaders need to be there in setting these global standards, setting these global standards for privacy. And, and that's where I've been disappointed that at least Congress, I support the stablecoin legislation, but I would have liked to have seen a stand made for privacy in that bill. And there's virtually nothing said about privacy in that bill. If we're concerned about privacy, and I, and I, again, I turn to Congressman Emmer, I, I'd like to see his hand turned to that bill. And with the same concern about privacy, he has when government operates um, uh, digital currency, let's make sure that it applies when the private sector does. I will say one other thing. You know, we do have a constitution that guarantees the right to privacy in our Fourth Amendment. Um, That should be the basis for making sure that anything that references the dollar, that people enjoy privacy. And privacy is probably one of the most important issues, but it's not the only one. We need to get financial inclusion right as well. And I am concerned that Um, uh, some of our our focus on um, uh, AML and other issues um, uh, could become a barrier to more inclusion. Uh, Those are important policies, um, uh, but whether they should apply to every small transaction or somewhere else in the chain or whether we can find a way for people that have traditionally not enjoyed The type of credentialed identity necessary to open a bank account, whether we can find a way for them to transact using digital money so we make sure that we get financial inclusion right. Interoperability is going to be critically important. I mean, again, we could see five different dollar based stablecoins, some of them being walled gardens that if you work in one, if you use one, you can't use another. Well, I don't think that's necessarily good for the dollar either. So there's policy issues here that need to be resolved at the policymaking front, the, the the democratic process, and others that can be brought together by the private sector. And I think it's time for the United States to really um, uh, uh, bring these efforts together in a way that's true to our the values that got us here. And at the end of the day, that's what we formed the Digital Dollar Project to do. And last week, we had a terrific, the first of its kind convening on U.S. soil of policymakers. We had uh, almost 18 uh, governments here. We had representatives of the White House, representatives of Treasury, um, and the private sector, stablecoin operators, and others gathering together for two days in Leesburg, Virginia, to begin these important conversations. Um, uh, and we're, we worked with the Atlantic Council to, to do that convening, and we looked forward to doing that again in the future to bring these parties together to have these conversations.
0: Amazing work. Uh, considering the time, I would like to wrap up with a final question. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on artificial intelligence and the risks uh, associated with it. Uh, White House, uh, they released the executive order. I think was at the end of October, uh, and it does show that U.S. government is attempting to address the risks posed by the by AI. Uh, the more I read this executive order, uh, the more I think that the key challenge for artificial intelligence regulation is going to be the absence of comprehensive federal data protection and privacy legislation. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh,
1: you nailed it, Alta. I, I, it's, you know, our unwillingness up till now to, uh, have a federal policy on data protection, I think is really, um, uh, uh, hurting us from taking a leadership role uh, in so many areas, um, certainly in the area of digital currency, um, but also in the area of artificial intelligence. I, I will have to t- I do want to tip my hat to the White House um, for looking to get out in front of AI uh, with some thoughtful uh, thoughtfulness with regard to policy prescriptions. Um, and not, not everything in the report was to my liking, but that's that's the nature of things. But I thought there was a lot of good thinking, and, and the initiative itself, I thought, was very thoughtful. In a similar way, I, I think this administration attempted uh, a year or so ago to get out in front of digital cu- currency thoughtfulness, but I think some of that ha- has bogged down. Um, you know, we're going to see the United States and its dominance of the world's financial system for the last seven years are going to face some real challenges in the 21st century on the technological front. It is digital networks of value, tokenization. It is artificial intelligence. And ultimately, it's going to be about quantum computing. And we really need to bring some of our best minds forward uh, to to help the political class sort their way through these. Um, But I can tell you one thing that I know for certain you can't lead from behind in these areas. We must lead from the front. In 2017, when Bitcoin first appeared on the scene at the CFTC, at least, um, we engaged with it and created a framework for Bitcoin futures to operate in a regulated environment. And at the time we did that, we received a lot of political criticism for doing so, saying that we ought to just push it out of the regulatory environment, that somehow by bringing it into the regulatory environment, we were legitimizing it. Well, five years later, that market is, is, is deep, it's liquid, it's transparent, and it's well regulated. I think the choice, at some political risk for policymakers, is not to try to push away technological innovation, but to engage with it early on in, in a thoughtful, intelligent, responsible way, but to engage. And I think the United States needs to engage with these new digital systems of value and not put our head in the sand. Um, You know, 50 years ago, or probably 40 years ago, when nuclear power was being developed by countries to power their energy grids, uh, the United States came up with a, a policy of just say no to nuclear power. We pushed it offshore and we allowed our economic competitors like France to perfect it. And I'm afraid some of those people that say just say no to CBDC, all they're doing is making sure that our economic competitors and adversaries like France and the the EU and and China are going to do a better job than perfecting this than we will, which means our values won't be the ones that will dominate. It will be other values. So we need to engage whether it's AI, uh, whether it's digital networks of value, we need to be at the leadership table. We can put aside for a long time the decision of whether to deploy a CBDC, but we need to be at the global table setting the standards for all digital systems of value, certainly any ones that reference the dollar. And that's where, to your point about are we behind, we are behind in leading with our values.
0: I appreciate your input, Chris, Uh, and I fully agree. We have to be leaders in the space, and hopefully this podcast, I'm sure that uh, we're going to try our best first to send it to regulators, legislators, but I really appreciated having you here today. It was an honor uh, listening to your insight, very thoughtful insights. I hope to have you back uh, for I'll Explain another episode again. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our Hootenanny, thank you for listening. For more hootful and hype-free resources, visit OwlExplains.com, there you will find articles, quizzes, practical explainers, suggested reading materials, and lots more. Also, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn.